0: Romans ever done for us. Hello, and thanks for downloading. I'm Ancient Blogger, and in this podcast, I'm looking at some of the bits and bobs from episode 7 of the BBC show, Troy, Fall of a City. Just quickly, I should plug my website, ancientblogger.com, and my Twitter, at ancientblogger. Now, on with what we saw in the penultimate show, and what I took from it. As you might expect, it involves a fair amount of death. The body of Hector was returned, and we lost both Penthesilea and Achilles. But there are also a few other aspects I feel are worth sharing. For example, where was the talking horse? Before we get to these, let's consider the main interaction between Prime and Achilles. In the show, Prime did a great job of showing us a king in decline, someone to whom war had affected directly. In the Iliad, we see this too. Prime is given to us, as a man in despair, which contrasts with his fame and glory. Surely the lesson is that war can bring anyone to ruin. Amidst all the glorification of it, Homer is not unaware of its cost and what it can do far away from the battlefield. In the show, Priam appealed to Achilles largely through the relationship he had with Patroclus. In the Iliad, it's slightly different. Prime discusses the dire straits Achilles' own father, Peleus, could find himself within. Power struggles were common in archaic Greece, so a father left without his heir was vulnerable to being usurped. It's this which seems to get through to Achilles, and the two men weep together. This is one of the poem's most significant moments. Well, I think so. Achilles knows, or certainly understands, that killing Hector, or having killed him, means he too will die, and therefore Prime is in the position his father will soon experience. A king without an heir, and with the prospect of enemies circling. The contrast between Agamemnon and Priam in dealing with Achilles is worth mentioning. Agamemnon can only occupy a codified space where rigid rules buttress his point. Priam detaches Achilles from the immediate situation of war, and reminds him of home. Perhaps I'm overthinking it, but this approach allows Achilles a perspective clear of the clutter around him, and it may be that this view allows him to understand the true implications of his actions. That said, Priam still needs to be careful, Achilles is still sore, and when Priam presses to quicken the return of Hector's corpse, Achilles snaps back and reminds Priam that even here, under my own roof, suppliant though you are, I may not spare you sir, but trample on the express command of Zeus. Despite the amateur dramatic delivery, these are very dangerous words and Priam is rightly shot by them. occupies the position of suppliant and guest, each should really assure him of safety, at least from Achilles. The concept of Xenia was closely associated with Zeus, Xenia being that of a good guest and that of a good host. And this ensured that guests were or should be treated fairly. Of course, if they then did something incredibly stupid like stealing a wife away, well, you know the rest. We're used to Achilles pushing boundaries and questioning codes. Last week I sketched out how he ran a mock over the importance of burial. Added to this, the dark comment to Hector that if his passion wanted, he'd eat him raw, and the sacrifice of the Trojan princes. then we certainly can add this to his file of taboo behaviour. But, as we know, Priam returned to Troy with Hector's body. I did hope to see Hermes helping Priam to Achilles' tent, and alongside Poseidon, I think there was a good opportunity missed. All that beach, they could have had him with a bucket of spade, or, or at least an ice cream. We saw Patroclus in an early episode being cremated on a pyre. I'm unsure exactly what happened to Hector's body. In the Iliad, 12 days of mourning is agreed between Priam and Achilles. In the show, wood is required for the coffin, which seems at odds with the idea of cremation. Again, the Iliad has the body of Hector cremated, and then the bones interred into a burial mound outside the city walls. Hector's funeral is the end of the Iliad, which itself doesn't really last that long when you think about it. The consensus is that the poem covers around 50 days. Though there's a lot going on, the overarching theme is of Achilles' anger, first at Agamemnon and then with Hector. Achilles' anger is the opening word to the poem, and the story is introduced from the perspective of what caused this rage. He's a sulking figure, when not poking others with spears, poking at the social constructs of the day. Viewed in this way, the ending of the Iliad when it does makes sense. Achilles' rage has been satiated, or, or at least most of it has, and it's quite a poignant ending just compare it to the odyssey which is quite bizarre in fact after this have a listen to my podcast entitled odysseus being odd exile and ruby slippers where i deal with this the show did give us the heel arrow combo achilles is killed by paris's arrow perhaps Priam's dagger not helping exactly either you might not be surprised that there were several versions of achilles death they all have a similar theme But either Paris kills him with a poison arrow to the heel with Apollo's help, or Apollo takes the form of Paris and does the deed himself. A more elaborate myth is Achilles ambushed. He's promised Priam's daughter Polyxena as part of a truce. She learns from him the weakness in his heel and tells the Trojans. When they agree to meet, again he is shot there with a poison arrow. This is given as a motive for Polyxena's sacrifice at the tomb of Achilles after the sack of Troy. And this forms the backdrop to Euripides' play Hecuba, though Achilles' requirement of Polyxena's sacrifice is given in the play as a general tribute, not a specific act of revenge. One thing which wasn't shown, and it would have been quite something, was a talking horse, but not just any talking horse, a near-divine one, which only has one speech in the entire poem, and is effectively rebuking Achilles. In Book 19, Achilles drives his chariot, and Xanthus, one of the horses, is given the power of speech by Hera. Xanthus, in the true nature of take it from the horse's mouth, tells Achilles he's going to die as a result of his actions. Yeah, people complain about small talk with taxi drivers. Indeed, this week we had chariots featured. At best, the Iliad is a poem about a war written around 500 years earlier, so the use of it as an indicator to the fighting styles has always been up for heavy debate. Nestor, in book four, orders that his charioteers keep in formation alongside supporting troops. The image here is not of chariots fighting individually, this makes sense. But after he makes these orders, we don't have the chariots acting in this way or being reported as doing. To quote Dr. Franz Albrecht, Not only in the battle scenes which immediately follow this is their use as a first wave strike force completely ignored, but in all the battle scenes and descriptions of fighting before Troy which the epic presents to us, chariot squadrons are used neither to begin an attack, nor for direct assault, nor for pursuit, nor for any military purpose at all. In the Iliad, chariots are used within the context of the elite. It's often how the heroes get around the battlefield, and is used as a sort of taxi. If you can kill from it, then great, but ideally, it's to get the hero from place to place so they can do heroic things. The chariot was very much a vehicle for this, a vehicle of effect, a more dramatic device than a depiction of tactics. Finally, did anyone get the nice reference left by Briseis in the show? The slave eventually runs off, but not before leaving a message for Agamemnon in the form of one of his robes stuck to the bed with a dagger. If you know what happens to Agamemnon, and I imagine that even if you didn't, you might not choose the happy ever after option, given he sacrificed his daughter to get to Troy, then this was a nice nod to the lights he'll find when he goes back home. Well, that brings us to the end of this podcast. The last BBC show is up on Saturday night, and I dare say we'll be awaiting the horse. Assuming it turns up. Thanks again for listening, and until the next and final podcast on Troy, take care and keep safe. Into me! Into me! They've all got it in for me!